You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine podcasts. You know the drill by now. I am John Boccasino. He is Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, good morning. Buddy, it is a pleasure being here with you. I cannot wait for this one. Oh boy, you know, we are really stoked for this topic here. And we've had some pretty good uh, podcast topics of late. You know, I've really been proud of the the discussions we've had here on Believe and the one we've got here uh, for, for this week's episode. Um, it's all draft related. As you can figure, the draft is coming up in, in three weeks uh, in Kansas City, Missouri will be the site of the 23 NFL draft. The Buffalo Bills have six selections in the draft. And we today on this week's episode are going to offer up the players that we are enamored with, the players you would call draft crushes, uh, if you will, based on the fits of the Buffalo Bills and where they will be picking uh, in the upcoming NFL draft. And, you know, Jamie, when, when we come up with this concept of draft crushes, it's a dangerous notion because the feeling I get from a pure outsider is that this year's draft could be pure chaos outside of the top 10, you know, players 20 through 100 could be so closely grouped that there's not really much difference or separation uh, between value uh, of a player you pick at 20 versus 100. Yes, and that doesn't bode well for the Buffalo Bills or really any team that isn't picking till the end of the round. And here's the other side of it, is that the places where the Buffalo Bills have weakness are also weak places in this year's draft. Like if you needed, uh, if you needed a cornerback, that would be great, but the bills don't. So that doesn't help. So yeah. And that's a good, that's a kind of a good jumping off point uh, when it comes to the positions um, that the needs that the bills have before we go through our draft crushes, what are your top three pressing needs for this team position wise heading into the draft? I will say that it's got to be middle linebacker. And beyond that, People are going to be surprised when I say this, but I think the second biggest need is a defensive end, a DE. And everybody's going to say to me, and people have said it to me on Twitter, no, man, they had their chance. They drafted two guys in the second round and uh, and a first rounder in there too, and Greg Rousseau. They had their chance to get their defensive end. They need to move on to something else. No, that's not how it works. You keep <laughs> going after the position until you have success. Because... In my mind, okay, Epinesa, decent depth. Boogie Basham isn't worth keeping on the roster if you can get something better. Yeah, I know he's cost-controlled, 
But you can get a rookie who's a better player than him. Do it. Get it every time. And no, there is no trade value for Boogie Basham. You no, can't. there is not. Sadly. You will not. I, and you will not get a mid round or even a late round pick for the guy. So, Jamie, when you mentioned the defensive ends, just a real quick little tinge that I did notice the fun banter on Twitter that you had with an engagement uh, where you were discussing with our own Bruce Nolan of uh, the Bruce Exclusive Podcast on the fallacies of sunken costs. And yes. for people that are not quite aware, it's basically. Uh, a position where a person basically refuses or hesitates to abandon a strategy or a course of action because in the past they've heavily invested in it, even when it's clear that giving up on this position, giving up on this policy would be more beneficial. And in this policy here, we're talking about the defensive ends, like Jamie mentioned, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham, you know, the bills have invested a lot into their defensive ends. Just because you've spent a lot in the past does not preclude a team from going after that position in the future. If the best players are out there, why not consider adding a defensive end who could bolster this unit? I absolutely appreciate the fact that you defined the sunken cost fallacy. And oh, by the way, just to circle back and finish your question, uh, offensive line is the third need. And I think that it's probably somebody who can play tackle and kick inside or be a swing tackle. They desperately need depth on the offensive line. People that can both pass block and run block. What a concept, right? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) So for me, my top three positions of need, I'm actually going to agree with you. I think offensive line is an incredibly sneaky need for the Buffalo Bills. Sneaky. Oh yeah. In my opinion, I define sneaky. Because people look at the line and say, okay, you got Spencer Brown on the right side and Deion Dawkins on the left side. I'm talking about offensive tackles, I should say, not offensive line okay, in particular, but the offensive tackle position. Because when you look at it, Dawkins' contract expires after the 2024 season, and he took a step back last year. He has not lived up. I love the guy, but he has not showed that consistent play that the Bills were so used to, you know, in the 2020 and 2021 season. He's really, you know, taken a step back. He still has great flashes, but they're getting a little bit dimmer, if you will. They're not as consistent as they used to be. And Spencer Brown, Brandon Bean is very high on his potential for this year, and this could end up being a thing where it's not as great of a need. But the offensive tackles, to me, are a major concern you need to do something about your offensive line in general the interior and the exterior offensive linemen so I'm going to put third on my list of the needs being the offensive tackles uh, because it feels like the Bills still think they're good with the interior Um, the outside part there's some more question marks so I'm going to say the exterior offensive line is the number three need Um, the number two need I think is another one of those that people are Um, might debate about, but I think a slot wide receiver is still an area that Buffalo should consider in the draft. And I know that they signed Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield as free agents, but those are really in an ideal world. Maybe your wide receivers four or five or six, you know, we're not talking about game changers or people who can stretch and get the first down when Josh looks over the middle of the field. I think a slot receiver Position. I know the Bills have Khalil Shakir, and I like him a lot, but he was a fifth rounder. 
I think the Bills need to do something to address the slot wide receiver position in the draft. He was a fifth rounder who had 10 receptions. And people like to say that Khalil Shakir showed flashes. But I don't know how many flashes you can show on under 20 targets in a year. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of unknown with him. And I think that that's what, you know, that's why if you spend a draft pick, here's the other thing too, folks, before I give you my, my top need on this team, the bills have six draft picks. So, and their roster is very solidified for the most part with who's going to be starting where, when I give you my needs and, and areas of need, I'm talking about players who I think can step in and either start or play a really significant role on this team right away. And I think with that being said, the number one need, you might think I'm going to say linebacker and linebacker is a good need for the bills, but I'm actually going to go defensive tackle as my number one need for the bills. And do you want to know why Jamie? I do want to know why that seems counterintuitive to me because they have two starters coming back and uh, all their backups from last season. (laughs) They do. But most of the players that we're talking about on this unit are on one year deals. I'm taking this need as a future vision need because the bills brought back Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson. Okay. Those guys are are fun. They're great. They can produce, but they're one year deals and they're getting up there in age. And Tim Settle is coming back. Yep. So, and, and there's some bodies. I mean, with the returning members are Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Daquan Jones, and then Shaq, Shaq Lawson's defensive end. So we're not going to lump him in uh, with the conversation here. I, I misspoke when I mentioned him earlier. But these guys that the Bills are relying on, I mean, Ed Oliver is going to have a contract extension coming up pretty soon. Can Buffalo afford to overextend Oliver with how strapped they are against the cap? Jordan Phillips, Daquan Jones, and Tim Settle um, are nice players, but they're not fear inducing members of a defensive line. I think this is a chance for the bills to overhaul their defensive tackles for next year, starting with a potential high pick this year. And this is one of those where I'm saying it could be almost like a red shirt pick where the guy does play. If you draft an impact defensive tackle, he might not be the starter, but he'll be a pretty substantial rotational piece to factor in knowing that this Buffalo Bills defensive tackle unit could be entirely turned upside down after this year. Now, I'm glad that you brought that up for two reasons. Number one, I'm very high on Daquan Jones, and I really want to see them uh, extend him. However, the reason I'm particularly happy that you brought that up is because that leads right into my draft crushes. So I let's do it. It's almost like clockwork. We are in sync, my friend, always here on the Believe Podcast. All right, Jamie D'Amico, lead us off. Who's your first crush? He is a two-time academic All-Big Ten honoree, and we are talking about Mazzy Smith, the massive defensive lineman from Michigan. The dude comes in at only 6'3", but 323 pounds, and he is so athletic that the dude just strikes fear into the hearts of the offensive linemen in front of him. I am telling you, this guy is like a massive lane clogger, but he's crazy athletic. He uh, did, let's see, 22 reps on the bench press, uh, but that was with 325 pounds, not 225 pounds. 
He uh, holy cow! <laughs> yeah, he close grip benched 550 pounds. His vertical leap was 33 inches. His broad jump was nine four and a half. I mean, this guy. His shuttle time was 4.41. He is incredibly athletic, and he's big enough to play the nose, fast enough to play the three technique, and he just has so much potential. I, with the right coach, this guy could be an absolute monster out there. Now, there are some downsides to his to his game. Um, he's a little bit stiff, and sometimes he doesn't locate the ball very well, and he'll find himself uh, completely out of the play. Um, he's not the best hand fighter, but these are all coachable things. I think that you're actually looking at like a perennial pro bowler, and uh, NFL Draft Buzz compares him to a more athletic DJ reader. It could be worse, right? Yeah. Oh, you could do a lot worse than drafting Maisie Smith out of Michigan, who is one of the strongest players uh, in this draft class, his upper body. He's actually one of the players who made the Bruce Feldman's prestigious list of freaks, yep. athletic freaks in, uh, in what he's done on the field and what he did. Uh, at the workout, he actually, Jamie, so to give our audience a little background on this process, Jamie and I came in and all we mentioned in our pre-show meeting was we're going to have a talk about our draft crushes. So we really didn't lay out too many parameters. And and I totally agree that Maisie Smith is an incredible beast of a, a prospect and he would be an incredible addition to Buffalo. He actually was one of my uh, crushes as well, but the way that I... <laughs> The way, the, the way I did this exercise, Jamie, is I actually came up with crushes in each of the rounds. And I don't, I think, I think Maisie could be had in the second round. So I think I'm so. Gonna, I, he, he could. I mean, the mocks I've been seeing, the mocks I've been doing, some teams pick him 27, 28, 29. I've seen him go in the low to mid 30s as well. And given the fact um, that he's ranked, I think I've seen some prospect boards even have him at 39. Uh, overall on their rankings, including Dane Brugler from the athletic. So I'm going to say he was one of the second round crushes I had, and I'll give mm -hmm. you a second round crush of my own down the road. But for me, my crush, the player that I really hope the bills get in the first round is Jordan Addison out of USC. And Interesting. I, I do. I know that it's one of those things where with what Jordan Addison can bring it. I think his, his stock is falling a little bit, which makes me think he could be available at 27. And I think he's falling because for some reason, the people who are evaluating the draft talent in this class, the wide receiver group is very, very deep and very talented, but there's not a lot of people outside of our boy from Ohio state. Um, JSN um, Jackson Smith, Najiba, there's not a lot of people that think that wide receivers will be picked very heavily early on in the first round. And I think the reason I like Jordan Addison so much is just he is he's fast. He's a fierce competitor. He's a great route runner. He gets good separation. He has great run after the catch potential. And I feel like even though there, he might slip to Buffalo because of the concerns about his size only being six feet. But make no mistake, Jamie, Jordan Addison is a kid who will wreak havoc when he's on the field at all three levels as a receiver. I think he's somebody whose versatility to play both inside and out as an uber productive contributor. Sign me up on Jordan Addison, baby. 
Okay, that is an interesting draft crush. And the reason why is Jordan Addison actually tested poorly at, at the Combine. And that certainly turned people off to him. His, uh, his 40 time is not coming to mind right now, but I, I know that it's 44940, um, 34 inch vertical jump, 10, 10 2 broad jump. The reason, Jamie, I think this plays into Buffalo's hands because every year, I think we see prospects rising up the board and also falling just based on the underwear Olympics that are known as the right. Right. Like, I'd much rather go off of what he did at Pitt, where he was the Blitnikoff winner in 2021, 17 touchdowns, 1,600 receiving yards. His senior year didn't go nearly as well as he wanted to. There were some injuries um, that he missed some time with. But, man, have you seen this guy run routes? His feet are so mm-hmm. freaking sweet. It would make Rex Ryan blush. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. That was so good, Boxino. <laughs> I love that one. Um, and when I say that his that his 40 time was disappointing, that is because I think people expected to see him come in the low four fours, it, it maybe even under that, based on his based on what he looks like on the field. He plays faster than his 40 time was. Uh, his vertical is pretty good. Uh, the only I mean, the only negative to the guy is that he's 173 pounds. And that that is a very slight frame. So you have to be a little concerned about what happens at the line of scrimmage if a DB gets their hands on him. But you can scheme around that. And you can scheme around that all day. He is the one in the draft that probably reminds me the most of a Stefan Diggs because of the way he's just such a technician when it comes to route running. And also, he's a very natural uh, pass catcher. He's, he catches with his hands, and that's a beautiful thing in, in a in a receiver. Like, rarely does he drop the ball. Yeah, he makes it look effortless, which is a good. And he's again, he's a he's a student of the game. He's a great route runner. He is my first round crush. Jamie, give us your crush number two. Okay, so most of my crushes seem to are to be coming in with a second round grade right now. And my second crush, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I feel like he's such a great scheme fit for the Buffalo Bills. And you also find that my crushes tend to be the big guys. So without further ado, my friend. The guy is 6'8", weighs 302 pounds. I'm talking about the tackle named Blake Freeland from BYU. And why do I like this guy? He is basically a receiver in an offensive tackle's body. He is so quick, so fast. He is... Some of his testing was just out of this world. His vertical... At over 300 pounds, 37 inches, 37 inches, that is in the 100th percentile of (laughs) offensive linemen. His broad jump, 99th percentile. His 10-yard split, 93rd percentile. His 40 time, 94th percentile. Now, okay, he doesn't have the greatest arm length, and his weight at 302 at 6'8", that's kind of skinny by NFL standards. So the dude has to put on weight because ultimately he'll probably get pushed around by some faster dudes. 
or some heavier, stronger dudes, but he set combine records for the vertical and the broad jump. And when you take a guy who can move like that, who has superior short range quickness, short area quickness, this is a dude that could conceivably play tight end. And for the Bills' desired outside zone blocking scheme, he's perfect. He's a good run blocker, and he does a, a pretty good job of using his hands. Now, like any other prospect, he does have some of his he does have some drawbacks. Um, he tends to not have the best instincts. So that will cause him to kind of overset and struggle with some counter moves. But the thing is, for all of his flaws, and he does have some, he's not just a workout warrior. He's actually a really good player who will be a good pass protector in the NFL. That's exactly what the Bills need to invest in. I'm so happy to hear one of your crushes happens to address a major area where the Bills have a need. And I think that that's a really smart crush on your part. It's a very productive crush on your part. And uh, Jamie, I applaud you for a very well thought out rationale for a guy who uh, could easily be available for Buffalo uh, on day two. Mm -hmm. Now for me, Jamie, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I came up with, I came up with multiple crushes because I figured we might have some overlap. And that's where when you said Maisie Smith from Michigan, I was like, aha, that's a great pick. I'm so happy that my buddy Jamie uh, was on the ball with uh, his calling of a, a very talented defensive tackle. My crush in the second round is also a defensive tackle who also competed against Big Blue and Michigan. He's Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. Mm. Good and one. here's why he's a crush for me. I feel like when you look at Buffalo and the defensive tackles, we mentioned the fact that there is a glaring need for this unit, I feel moving forward with the uncertainty, they want to get a contract worked out with Ed Oliver. We know that the bills have said that publicly, they want to take care of bringing back their own, but in case they're not able to, for some reason, I really feel like Keanu Benton could step in and be a great long-term starter in Buffalo's scheme. This kid, I'm telling you, you talk about footwork and upper and lower body strength. He's six, three, 309. His wingspan is incredibly big. And he's one of those guys who he could slide over to the three tech if he wanted to, but I think mm -hmm. he more projects as a one tech defensive tackle. And I feel like he might fall a little bit further down the board than Maisie Smith. So maybe he's available at pick 59 in the second round. But besides being an outstanding run defender, his pass rushing upside is so much greater than a lot of the other one techs that are in this draft class. To me, I think there's a lot of potential long-term if the Bills are able to find a way to bring in Wisconsin's Keanu Benton. But the biggest reason, Jamie, I've got a crush on this guy, I think Sean McDermott's going to like him too. He's <laughs> got that wrestling background that McDermott loves so much. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he's <laughs> McDermott has a wrestling mat in his house. That tells you something about that guy, right? Cano <laughs> uh, Benton is a great one, and he can play the one or the three technique. Um, I wonder if he's maybe a little undersized at 309 for the one technique, but he's so strong, I don't know that that matters. And he's explosive. 
he is he can be a one gapper and absolutely dominate. I I think that the guy has a future. He's a little raw, right? And he is. He's he's, he's kind of like a developmental, a little more of a developmental prospect, an unfinished project compared to a Maisie Smith. But man, this guy is a, a man amongst boys, and his his he just he one of the Bills always said uh, has been a problem. Bills fans, rather, with some of the defensive tackles on the team that they can't shed blocks. Mm-hmm. This guy, Keanu Benton, has no problem shedding blocks like it's nobody's business. I think his his quick hands, his strength, his high motor, and the fact that you get both a good run defender and a pretty solid pass rusher off of it, it's kind of the whole package for me without spending a premium first-round pick on the position. The dude's got violent hands and a high motor. And you you take somebody who's explosive, who never stops, who's relentless in pursuit. I mean, that's a guy I sign up for all day. Oh, all day long and twice on Sundays, no doubt. Now, uh, who, Jamie's your third and final crush of this exercise? Okay, okay so as I said, I for some reason this year, I'm really kind of sticking with the, the big dudes. And this one is Cody Mock. Okay. 65302 out of North Dakota State. And he's being looked at as both an offensive tackle and as a guard. I see him more as a guard. And if you saw his combine interview, that was enough to sell me on him. He sat there talking about why he is missing his two front teeth and why he doesn't use dentures anymore. And he, <laughs> he told the story about how he was constantly losing his dentures because they got knocked. His teeth got knocked out when he was a kid. And I forgot the story behind it, but he was constantly losing his dentures and his mother was always yelling at him about it. He'd take them out, forget where he put them. They'd be gone. Mom's got to spend a bunch of money getting them replaced. So finally, he just said, I'm tired of getting in trouble with my mom. I'm just not going to wear them anymore and got used to it. And it kind of became his thing. <laughs> you take uh, the fact that on top of it, he's a ginger, my own brethren out there, and he has a beard. Oh, my God. I feel like I can relate to this guy, both in the fact that I lose things that I shouldn't and the red beard. So <laughs> on top of all of that, he's a good player. The dude is a, a really good player. He was um, he, he played last season at two. Well, he came, he, he played just over 300 pounds, but he arrived as a 220 pound tight end and then bulked up to 300 pounds to play offensive tackle. And he still has that kind of speed. He's light on his feet. He's a strong guy. And he's, he has an incredible kick slide too, which is something that you need. But I think because of his compact frame, he's going to be more of a, a guard. And I think that, he will be elite as a guard as opposed to perhaps a right tackle. Now, again, always a downside. He's a little bit of a waist bender. He doesn't always anchor real well. But again, for what the Bills are doing, he moves so well. I want to see an offensive uh, an offensive line that is athletic and can get out and run and cut off defenders' angles. And that is exactly what this dude is. So... If they can land him, I'm going to be thrilled, not only because he's a good player, but he's a great personality and I think would be a fan favorite right off the bat. 
that story about the dentures and the, the missing teeth. I mean, that is, you can just visualize, you know, the story and the response from Cody mock uh, discussing this story, the very talented interior offensive lineman from North Dakota state. Like you mentioned, Jamie, great fierce hand, uh, hand work ability. Uh, his movement is top notch. Um, he does seem a little bit like Mitch Morse in that regard, um, both yep. physically and his, his style of play, you know, the, the experts are saying that he could, get a look at tackle potentially first. He was a left tackle in college. Um, but I think a move to the inside, like you said, makes a lot of sense. So that's a really a good crush to bring out there in Cody mock out of North Dakota state. And before we finish uh, on him, I do want to point out that he um, majored in crop and weed science. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then, an entrepreneur. <laughs> what I can't find here is if he is related to former Buffalo Bills offensive line coach Carl Mock, the guy who walked around the sidelines during the uh, the Wade Phillips era, always looking like he was smelling something bad and had this <laughs> unbelievable similarity in appearance to Fat Bastard from the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> That's the type of blue collar guy I want angering my offensive line. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jamie, for my third and final crush, um, and this is a guy I'm thinking could be had for Buffalo in the third round. I'm going to be a homer with this pick, but it's a homer pick that I think could really pan out because I think his stock is also a little lower than what his talent level presents. I'm going in the secondary corner Garrett Williams out of my Syracuse University Orange. Oh, I think he would be excellent for Buffalo at potentially pick 91. Uh, He's coming off a torn ACL. He had seven outstanding games for an orange defense that was one of the top 10 in the country uh, when he was playing. Um, And it's interesting because he was so good for the orange while being miscast in Dino Babers' defense. He was essentially a square peg in a round hole with what the orange tried to do on defense. Um, only 35% of his career snaps come in man coverage, but that plays so well with what the bills we think are going to do on defense coming up in 2023. He's an outstanding competitor. Uh, he's an outstanding downhill cover guy. He plays tough through contact and he's a really good tackler too. It's really hard for Garrett Williams to get beat on a play. Uh, He's disruptive. He's great in zone coverage. He's really solid in the run defense as well. And I feel like he is one of those potential game-changing corners who, with his press coverage abilities, with his ability to be physical and aggressive, he can make interceptions. He can make good plays on the ball to force turnovers. And again, with his disruptive play, I know he didn't force a ton of takeaways at Cuse, but they're going to come because you look at what he put on tape and what his uh, physical skills lead to. He's going to come up with those turnovers more often than not. I feel like he's one of those guys who's going to be underrated on draft day um, when it comes to people um, making the picks. I think his best days are still to come. I'm looking forward to seeing what Garrett Williams can do in the NFL. He is my third crush of draft day. Now, I like that because that fits in very well with the number one pick from last year, Kyer Elam, in that they can play press coverage. And I would love to see the Bills at least have the ability to do more of that. Dane Jackson is a guy who is a solid zone cover corner, 
but is not a guy who you can line up at the line of scrimmage and knock the receiver off of their route, especially if that receiver is 200 plus pounds. Well, I would love to have the ability to do that in addition to playing in the zone. I, I think that that's a good one. He, to me, Garrett there is just a really smooth, nice looking athlete. And I wonder though, I read a scouting report that questions his motivation. You have watched a lot of Syracuse. What can you say to that? Yeah, I don't necessarily know where um, that reputation comes from because mm-hmm. he, the 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 orange defense this year was known as the mob squad, and they had that mentality of they they overachieved. I mean, these were guys who a lot of them coming out of high school didn't get the five star label, didn't get attraction from the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the big programs. So they have that chip on their shoulder. And I feel like Garrett Williams to me is an alpha male and an alpha mentality when it comes to playing cornerback, not someone who's going to be lacking motivation. So I I would have to disagree entirely with that assessment. And I, I happen to see all of his home games that he's played in 21 and 22. I mean, he was an all ACC pick convincingly uh, two years ago and what he put on tape, during those seven games before missing the ACL injury, I thought was really impressive. So I'll respectfully disagree with that assessment. Uh, Great. I think whoever gets Garrett Williams is getting a stud of a kid. That's that's awesome. Um, I, I am glad you, you said that because I like the guy too, and I know that I haven't watched as much Syracuse as you have for very obvious reasons. Listeners, if you didn't know this, John Boccasino works for SU. That I do. Guilty as charged. <laughs> uh, well, Jamie, this has been fun running through uh, our draft crushes here. Uh, for the audience who may have uh, have zoned out during my love for Syracuse, recap your top three crushes. My top three crushes are Maisie Smith, Blake Freeland, and Cody Mock. All big men. Maisie Smith on the defensive interior and the two offensive linemen, both in college were tackles. Freeland will stay there. Mock will move to the inside and play guard. I love it. And my three crushes were Jordan Addison, the talented USC wide receiver, Keanu Benton, the massive defensive tackle out of Wisconsin and Garrett Williams, a corner for your Syracuse university orange. What do you think listeners of our draft crushes? Did we get some right? Did we have some swings and misses and who are your must have uh, prospects that you're hoping the Bills can target coming up in the 23 NFL draft. Get involved with us on Twitter. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. Jamie, thanks for chopping it up here on our Draft Crush podcast. Buddy, it was a great time. Let's hope some of these players end up on the Bills roster. We all know Brandon Bean listens to this podcast, so there's a big penchant for that possibly coming through. He is Jamie D'Amico. I am John Boccasino signing off on this week's episode of the Believe Podcast.